only leveraging clinical documentation improvement in your organization can lead to claims denial, lower reimbursement, and wrong picture of care received. Instead, various departments in a hospital should establish a working relationship with CDI staff to improve these areas. Welcome to Modern Practice. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Villanueva, Senior Principal for Operations at Quality Vision and Practicing Internist. And today I welcome Amber Sterling. Amber, great to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Tom. It's very nice to be here. So tell us a little bit about your background and what you do at Vizient. Well, I'm a senior consultant at Vizient. My background is in CVICU. It's where I started as a nurse. I then transitioned into a case management role and did some leadership roles within that. Have experience with case management and utilization review before I moved into CDI. I was a network director for a large healthcare organization where I live. Mm -hmm. Then moved into a consulting role as the director for all of their CDI solution services and have kind of made my way here to Vizient where I love the data and I love what we do. So I'm very excited to be here. What a journey. Thank you. I preach about in reference to a lot of documentation on this podcast, specifically how we're not coming to our clinical truth. And I'm generalizing here, but to be quite honest with you, our documentation has gotten worse, Mm. particularly right after the pandemic. But what we're going to talk about today is a very unique aspect when it comes to documentation. So tell us, why is it important for clinical documentation improvement staff to work with other departments within an organization? Well, I love what you said, Tom, about how since the pandemic, things have just kind of taken a new twist and turn. Uh But even prior to that, we were working in silos within departments, especially in the inpatient setting. And I think since the pandemic, that's only increased. It's interesting when you really start to dig in to see where CDI, the workflow that we do, the query process that we implement, the documentation then that hopefully changes as a result of those things, how that impacts other departments within the hospital. And even in the outpatient setting. We have so many ways that we impact, but also other departments' workflows and the way that they help to impact the documentation also plays into how we will see the documentation and what is needed for other departments to achieve their goals. So I just think in general, the idea behind we have to communicate with one another to understand where our goals are, where the objectives are, and how those have overlapping areas is crucial to everyone's success. And it also helps to minimize the amount of communication communications that the providers are receiving on a daily basis. And hopefully it helps to decrease that because I think that probably the providers are getting multiple messages from multiple people where it could maybe have been dealt with in one way, one singular message. And as a provider, I can tell you that's exactly what's going on. (laughs) We're just getting multiple areas of information. So we've spoken about quality beforehand in our podcast and where that comes in with CDI. And we've even gone as far as even stating there should be a dotted line between quality and CDI as well. But I know we'll bring it up again. So where might CDI workflow actually interlock with other departments in a hospital? Sure. Well, let's just start with quality. Mm -hmm. I think one of the great examples is PSI. You know, it's interesting when you speak with somebody in quality, the criteria that they go through in order to validate and have data abstract for certain diagnoses, it's completely different than what we do. Mm -hmm. And so if a CDI department is arbitrarily putting documentation on the record via the query process, that may cause some issues for the quality department in as much as now does this need to be reported where before it wasn't something that would have been collected as a PSI. 
there's just knowing the inclusion and the exclusion criteria. A good example of this would be like a post-operative pneumothorax, where if you are going to query for that because it's clinically appropriate, knowing that if you also note that there's a pleural effusion on some of the imaging reports and capturing that diagnosis as well through the query process, now the post-operative pneumothorax is excluded. So helping your quality department to make sure that what they're getting isn't impacting what they're having to report as a hospital-acquired condition. Yeah, we've even brought it up beforehand in reference to even the effects on mortality and not so much the patient that expired, but just dealing with relative expected mortality as a whole and coming up with that clinical truth. Mm. What are some other areas that CDI actually have effect? I just did a really interesting project with a client where we looked at how CDI could help with surgical site infections, Hmm. specifically for colorectal surgeries. So what I didn't know as a CDI specialist was when I am querying for something like peritonitis on a patient who has had colorectal procedure, just kind of understanding that where I need to make sure that peritonitis gets on the record if it's clinically there, but it's not documented, but then having the additional knowledge of putting as an option, is it infective peritonitis? Because in the quality world for this type of SSI, you can't assume that peritonitis would mean infective. And then if you don't get that verbiage exactly within the documentation, it can then be later reported to CMS as a hack. So it was interesting as we went through the documentation, that was just one of the examples of the outcomes that we reported to our client for how CDI can help to impact that. As you get to know and you get to learn the departments that you work around, but not necessarily with, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you see where you both impact things and where, man, if I had just known that, that would have changed everything. (laughs) I would have queried so differently. (laughs) Right. So yeah, it's very interesting. So Amber, when people think about CDI, they automatically consider the issue involved with revenue cycle. And for most clinicians, that's the case. But you've already spoken to how it's important for quality. But can you just mention really the elephant in the room and how it affects revenue cycle? Absolutely. Well, you're not wrong. And in the traditional sense, how CDI started, that was our main focus was revenue cycle. We needed the financial impact based on missing documentation. So that's fair. I do want to say, though, that when working with providers, and you spoke to this earlier about the mortality, I think really helping to understand that our role and what we're trying to do in addition to the revenue cycle would also be just to accurately report the patient's severity of illness, Right. what intensity of services were needed, what are the outcomes that are expected based on that. But to revenue cycle, obviously, we're here to help make that reimbursement, but not necessarily so that we have that make money, money mentality. But there's a lot that goes into caring for a patient, as you know, as a provider. And as a bedside nurse, I saw all the things that we would charge and implement, and they were all very necessary. But did we get reimbursement for all of that? Correct. Probably not. So I think with Revenue Cycle, one of the best ways that CDI can have a beginning working relationship would be to understand what denials are coming through. Because then you really get a sense of where are the gaps where we should have adequate reimbursement, but we didn't. And it was based on something that was either missing in the record, something that needed clarification or specificity. I think that in a lot of institutions that I visit, there is a missing relationship between revenue cycle and CDI as much as what is the denial trends that they're seeing. And I think that's crucial to give that information to the CDI. It will change how they query. It will change how they speak to the providers so that they're giving the message of this isn't just for the dollar. This is 
because the intensity of services was not justified for this stay. And I think that you can attest to it was definitely needed. Right. But why was the documentation falling short in that? And we can help providers with that. And with Revenue Cycle, there's other avenues that you can really partner with. But just as a very beginning intro to how can we partner, definitely denials management information. Amber, thanks for this discussion. And we'll continue it in our next episode. And to our listeners, you can contact Amber at her email address listed in the resource section of our podcast page. And if you have any additional questions pertaining to Modern Practice or simply want to send me your comments, please contact me at our email at modernpracticepodcast at visiantinc.com. We've posted a link in our resource section as well. And please join us for other Modern Practice Podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, or send us your comments. I'm Dr. Tom Villanueva. Thanks for listening. 